0: Well, today, church, we're going to look at part two of a message uh, on healthy family communication. Part one, we actually did just before we started our series on the Beatitude, and we said that periodically throughout the year, we're going to revisit this this series that's kind of ongoing where we talk about everything from marriage to parenting and uh, work, uh, anything that centers around the family. So for the first message, we looked at the book of James, chapter 1, uh, verse 19 through 22. And I'm going to throw this scripture up on the screen today because we're actually going to continue with that today. Uh, But this is what it says. It says, Understand this, my brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. And humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word, you must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. So, if you remember back, if you were here, the first message, we talked about what it means to be quick to listen, what it means to be slow to speak uh, within the context of family. And as we look to God's word, we see that being quick to listen is really the start of healthy family communication, all right? If if you're going to open the door to healthy family communication, the very first thing is is learning to be quick to listen. Uh, Being quick to listen transforms relationships. And I would say that being quick to listen really um, allows the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart before you speak to others. That's extremely important. And then we said if being quick to listen is the start of healthy family communication, then being slow to speak is what's going to help sustain that. It's going to help sustain healthy family communication. Proverbs 18, verse 21, a verse that we've all heard before. It says, the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. So this is a proverb that's reminding all of us about a truth that we all already know, and that is that our words, the things that we say, carry a lot of weight. Amen? The things we say carry a lot of weight, and when when we work at learning the skill of being uh, slow to speak, I've noticed that personally I I don't complain as much. I'm more intentional about speaking life-giving words, words of encouragement, words that that build others up. It's important that we learn this skill of being slow to speak. And I believe that, that God wants every single person here to learn these skills. And that's what they are. They're skills. You don't just wake up one day and you know how to, how to be a good communicator. You're not quick to listen and slow to speak. It takes time. You put these things into practice and you allow God to work in, in your life. I believe that God wants every person here to learn the skills of being quick to listen and slow to speak. But uh, there's also a third skill or, or characteristic James talks about in James 1, and that's what we're going to address today. So let's open with prayer, and then we're going to dive right in uh, to the message today. Father, uh, once again, I thank you for the time that's been allotted for the church to come together, uh, to worship together, to respond to to who you are and what you've done in our lives. And today, as we go uh, to your word, again, I pray it's not my word that people take with them, but it's, it's your word. Help this be a church that not only hears the things that are spoken uh, from your written word, but that you would give us a heart that that wants to apply those truths and, and live those things out in our lives so that others can see Jesus. We love you, and we pray only in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, uh, so we're going to start again. I'm going to reread James 1, 19 through 22. This is going to be uh, the main text for today, and then we'll talk about anger a little bit more in depth today. So understanding this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak. And then here's here's the point for today. Slow to get angry. A human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word that God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. And then here's, here's that, that point. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're, you're only fooling yourselves. So most Bible scholars, if we take a step back for just a minute, most Bible scholars agree that the author of this letter um, is James, the brother of Jesus. And the purpose of this letter was to help early Jewish Christians in their walk with Jesus by teaching sound or correct doctrine and then providing examples, like real-life examples for how they are called to live out their faith in Jesus. And you might ask, why, why would that be important? Why would James have to write a letter giving that kind of instruction? Well, these early Jewish Christians, they had been scattered from their home in Jerusalem, and they, they were forced to live in these new areas where they would have been surrounded by uh, many different hostile people groups and then uh, other hostile world religions uh, that were false, false religions. So James urges these early believers to be genuine in their faith, to be genuine in their relationship with Jesus. And then when you look at the book of James, really an overarching theme to the book is that when our relationship with Jesus is growing, when it's alive, when it's, when it's genuine, it affects every other part of our lives. That's why he makes the point that a growing and strong faith will produce good works in our lives. You, you can't really have one without the other. So James says, as you grow individually, as families, and as the church, as you grow, you should learn to be quick to listen, slow to speak. And then today's topic, slow to become angry. I want you to think just for a moment, what, what is one thing that another person does in your family that just really sets you over the edge? All right, one thing that someone does, and wives, don't look at your husbands this morning, all right? But what's one thing that someone in your family does that just makes you really angry? All right, while you're thinking about that, I'm going to share mine with you, and this is going to sound really crazy, but for me, it's when we're finished eating, and it could be breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and I've shared this with, with some of you before, but we're finished eating, and my kids forget to wash their hands. All right, because in my mind there are very few things that are as bad as as uh, pizza sauce all over the couch, or or popcorn grease all over the TV remote. You know, when you go use it and it slips out of your hand, and that's just nasty. It's nasty. So in my mind, there's just about nothing worse than that. And I'll be the first to admit this morning, when something like that happens in the past, I've I've let my anger get the best of me. Maybe maybe you've been there too. When I look back, it, it sounds completely crazy to be angry at something. So small is this, but when I, when I think about it, I can see a pretty clear path, a chain of events that led to like an outburst of anger. Number one, I'm, I'm usually not quick to listen. I don't give other people an opportunity to explain why they didn't listen to this sound correct instruction that was so important at the time. And then two, I'm, I'm not slow to speak. I, I, I verbalize immediately what I'm feeling inside before I think about it and before I pray about it. Before I allow the Holy Spirit to speak to me before I speak to others. And the result is this kind of anger that James is, is talking about. So how can we learn to keep our anger in check? What's like the real life application for this? Because in this room today, um, every person here, we've been angry. And I think a good question to answer too is, is all anger bad? So I think in answering these questions, we have to start by developing what I would call a biblical worldview. Of this extremely powerful emotion that we know is anger. So if you're taking notes, the first thing that we're going to talk about today is this, that anger is a God-given emotion. Anger is a God-given emotion. God's word teaches us that every single person here, all of us, we're all image bearers of God. And that means we're, we're created in God's image. We're created in his likeness. And Being made in the image of God means that we 're going to have all sorts of emotions, uh, some of them we, we wear a little more publicly than others, but we 're going to have all sorts of emotions, and one of those emotions is anger. You know I think when we talk about anger, anger often gets a, a bad rap all right and, and I think that 's because um, anger is usually again it 's something you, you see on the outside it 's very strong emotion it 's often easily misunderstood, so as we talk about anger today, the goal is going to be to learn how to make anger, the, the right kinds of anger, work for us and not against us. I was amazed to learn this week uh, just how much God's word actually has to say about anger. It's incredible. And in a lot of ways, for me personally, this only added to the confusion because there's, there's so many different passages and so many different times that this word shows up. But it shows me a very important truth. It shows me that God clearly acknowledges the significance of this, this powerful emotion. And I believe he has some really clear instruction for his people in how we're called to deal with the anger in our own lives. Now, you might be surprised to learn that the only emotion that God's word mentions more than anger is love. Anger first shows up all the way back in the book of Genesis, chapter 4, verse 5. This is the very first place that we see anger. and This is the, the scripture. This is the verse that, that we read. It says, but he did not accept Cain as his gift. And this made Cain very, what's the word? Oh, we can do better than that. This made Cain very angry. angry. And he looked dejected. This is the very first time that we see anger referenced in scripture. And then the very last reference that we have to anger is found in the book of Revelation, chapter 19, verse 15. A little bit different scenario going on here. It says, From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath or, or anger of God. Those two words are, are the same thing in this in this passage. And it says, The Almighty, like, like juice flowing from a wine press. So in the Old Testament, Um, I didn't go and count this. I have an outside source for this, so I didn't didn't use most of my week doing this. But in the Old Testament, anger is mentioned 455 times. That's a lot. And of those 455 times, 375 of those are about God's anger. Now, when we arrive in the New Testament, this is where things get a little bit confusing because uh, there are a lot of different Greek words that are used for our English word, anger and all of these words have slightly different meanings to them so I think if we're going to be able to learn this this skill of being slow to anger we have to understand first and foremost what kind of anger we're feeling what kind of anger that we're experiencing in our lives so for example if we take today's text if you go to James 1 19 and 20 it says understand this my dear brothers and sisters you must all be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to get angry Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So what kind of anger is James talking about? Well, the type of anger that James is referring to is the Greek word or gay. And this is actually the most common uh, Greek word for anger that we see in all of the New Testament. And uh, this, this word is a type of anger that is long-lasting. It comes on slowly, and then it lasts a really long time. And the best way that I know how to describe this is that it's like the coals on a barbecue. They, they slowly heat up to red, and then when they finally reach white, they hold their temperature. You know, th- this type of anger, it's interesting. I, I believe it's mentioned about 40 times, roughly, in the New Testament. Every single time but, but two, it's always followed with revenge. It's always followed with having the last word and having the last say, getting and even getting physical revenge on someone else. Every single time but two. So you, I think it's, it's safe to conclude that this type of anger is not a healthy kind of anger that James is talking about. And that's why James follows and he says, this kind of anger does not produce the righteousness that God Desire, so so you have this kind of anger that's the most common. It's or gay. It's that it's that being angry at the wrong kinds of things. It's lashing out. It's that prideful anger. It's wanting to have the last word. And then there's another kind of anger that's found in Ephesians chapter four, verse twenty six. And again, this is a verse that many of us are familiar with. It says, "In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down." Why you're still angry. And here we see two different Greek words that are used for anger in this verse. And they both have very similar meanings. So the first one is the Greek word uh, orgizo. Let's say that together on the count of three. One, two, three. Orgizo. I'm getting better at my Greek. Not not, not well, but we've got a few of you that just knock it out of the park every time. But this is a word that's used uh, at the beginning when the Apostle Paul says, In your anger, do not sin. He's saying, in your orgizo, do not sin. This type of anger is being angry at the right kinds of things. It's always positive when it's inspired by God, being angry at sin, being angry at evil, or being angry at injustice in the world. It's okay to be angry at these kinds of things. In fact, it can be inspired by God to be angry at these kinds of things. But it's always negative when it comes from the flesh. You can actually be angry at the right kinds of things and then allow that to unnecessarily come out in a way that it was never intended to be. And God is saying, you can start in the right place and then you can actually end up somewhere that's not healthy at all. Paul is reminding us that anger is a God-given emotion and we're all gonna experience anger. But in your anger, even in the right kinds of anger, do not sin. And then he takes it a step further by using the Greek word paragismos, when he says, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. So he's saying, do not let the sun go down while you're still paragismos, while you're still this this kind of anger. And again, this is a kind of anger that you and I are, are encouraged to have. We're encouraged to have this, this paragismos anger. It's anger that's provoked by hurt or injustice in the world. But even when we're angry at the right kinds of things, Paul's instruction is that we should never let the sun go down on our anger. Why is that? I don't think I have to preach a sermon on that. I think that you and I know, that if we were to be honest this morning, that when we go to bed angry, we wake up the next day. We, we let that anger grow and that, that anger build. It develops in us something that we never wanted, wanted there. It begins turning us into the kind of people that we know is not for God's glory. It's not for the good of other people. Again, this is a kind of anger that's encouraged to have, but even when we're angry at the right kinds of things, we should never let the sun go down on our anger. I believe that's because it opens the door for Satan to attack in our lives, and it closes the door for healthy communication. You can be angry at all the right kinds of things, but when you allow that anger to take over your life, you start going to bed and waking up and you do that over and over and over again, that anger begins to turn into something that God never intended it to be. So I would say this, that if being quick to listen is the start of healthy family communication and being slow to speak is what sustains healthy family communication, then being slow to anger is what keeps the door open for healthy family communication. God calls us to be slow to anger. You know, God allows us to experience anger because, again, there are certain kinds of anger that we should have towards certain situations. But we should never allow that anger to take to develop deep roots in our lives and to, and to begin to take over. That's why he says, in your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Church, anger is a God-given emotion, but it's important to understand what kind of anger we're experiencing? What kind of anger we're feeling? Am I or, or gay angry? The kind of anger that wants to lash out and get revenge or to have the last word. Is that what you're feeling today? You know, has someone in your family said or done something? Has, has a coworker said or done something? Has someone wronged you or hurt you? And, and call it what it is. In, in, in your pride, in your anger, you want to have the last word. You want to lash out. That's not the kind of anger that God wants us to have. Or or am I orgizo angry? The kind of anger that you feel towards evil and injustice in the world. But regardless of whatever it is that you feel, Scripture's instruction to us is that we should never allow our anger to turn into sin. We should do everything that we can to resolve the issue before the sun goes down. When we don't, we leave the door wide open. For Satan to have his way in our lives. That anger begins to take root and it turns into something that, that God never intended it to be. So we start with anger as a God given emotion. The second thing I want to discuss today is that anger is often a warning telling us to stop, look, and listen. Anger is often a warning telling us to stop, look, and listen. I, I believe that scripture is pretty consistent with this and that anger is a secondary emotion. It's a secondary emotion and that's usually experienced in all of our lives in response uh, to other primary emotions like pain, hurt, fear, frustration, and disappointment. And the difficult part about controlling our anger in, in real life situations is that it's usually the first emotion that we see when we do experience an emotion like uh, a primary emotion like one of the ones I just mentioned. You see, friends, just below the surface of our anger are the primary emotions that God wants wants us to address and work on in our lives. Anger is an emotion that God wants to use uh, to get our attention and to make us more aware of the opportunities in our lives that he wants us to, to learn and grow, mature, and make significant changes in our lives for his glory and for our good. That's why we need to understand it. That's why we need to learn how to make anger work for us and not not against us. You know, I think back to when I was a kid. Um, I was pretty angry as a kid. I don't know if if that relates with any of you, but I I was pretty angry as a kid. I remember going to the grocery store with my mom on multiple occasions, and we'd walk through the front doors, and and I'd say, can we go look at toys? And she'd say, yeah, you can go look at toys, but what's the one thing that moms that you always tell your kids when you go down the aisle? You know, you can look at them, but we're not buying a toy today, right? And so I would get told I'm not going to get a new toy today, and then in my anger, I'd throw myself to the ground, and then ha- having to be dragged out uh, by my hands and feet against my own free will to the car. That was my story, <laughs> all right? And and every time we get together as a family, the, it gets brought back up, that we'd go look at toys, and they'd say no, and then I'd it, it could be in the middle of the parking lot. My mom said it was so embarrassing, you know? And thankfully, like my youngest son, he's had a few episodes like that, but thankfully my kids haven't done that yet. I, I fear that it's coming, you know, the... The sin of the father is, is passing down to the kids. but So I would lash out in, in anger. And I also remember when I was a little older, I remember my parents telling me, I, I would ask if I could go stay the night at a friend's house, right? It's Friday night. I want to go stay the night at a friend's house. That's what I wanted to do. And then for whatever reason, they would say no. And then I remember in, in my anger, running to my room, slamming the door shut, throwing myself down on my bed, and then burying myself in the pillow and just yelling. Like I was, I was an angry kid. And... As an adult now, I'm able to look back and see that something I didn't see then, and that is that underneath the anger was a primary emotion of of hurt and and disappointment. And then learning about disappointment showed me that the real issue that God wanted to get a hold of in my life as I got older, and that was that I wasn't honoring my mom and dad the way I should. That, that, That was the lesson, that God helped trace through the anger that, that wasn't right. It was that or gay angry. It was, it was lashing out. It was wanting to have the last word. God wanted to show me the lesson. God wanted to use my anger as a warning to help me stop, look, and listen to the greater issue, and that was I wasn't honoring my parents in the right way. You know, the anger that we experience is, is like a smoke detector. Think about it in those terms. It, it goes off, but the smoke detector isn't the real problem, is it? It's letting us know about a deeper issue. It's letting us know that we better address the issue or it's going to completely burn down whatever it is that's on fire. I've found that when I'm, when I'm angry at another person, for whatever reason, God's usually trying to help me address a deeper issue. I think that resonates with every person here today. There's almost always something else going on underneath the anger. So the question is this, and this is a very personal question that only you can answer. Are you going to allow God to help you address whatever that is? Whatever that primary emotion is, whatever is going on underneath the surface of your anger today, are you going to allow God to address that? Will you stop, look, and listen as God works on the deepest parts of who you are as a person, molding you and shaping you into the person that he's created you to be? Man, we can be angry at all sorts of things. And again, sometimes it's it's the right kind of anger. And sometimes we're angry at things that don't even matter. They end up tearing families apart. They end up tearing churches apart. I would say today, and this isn't in my notes, this is just something I've been it's been on my heart a little bit. I think as a church, we've got to allow God to to get past whatever kind of anger it is we're feeling for whatever situa- situation it is, we've got to allow God to, to do what only He can do and start healing us from the inside out. I would venture to say that in this room today, there are probably relationships that have been severed for a long time. There are probably feelings and hurt uh, towards other family members in the church. and, And that's when it starts to get uncomfortable, right, when we start talking about those kinds of things. But I believe with all my heart that God wants to help us get past that. He wants to start the healing process. And he wants us to be a church that is angry, absolutely, but angry at the right kinds of things. Not not the kind that wants to lash out and have the last words, but the kind that brings God the glory in our lives. So the question is, are you going to allow God to help you address whatever that is? Anger often helps us and should help us. It's a warning to help us stop, look, and listen. The final thing I want to talk about today is that uh, church individually... We can choose to spend or invest our anger. We can choose to spend or invest our anger. Anger is a very powerful emotion. We all know this. And we we can choose to spend or invest it. You know, when we choose to direct our anger in healthy, positive, and constructive ways, and when we choose to communicate, this is huge, when we choose to communicate our anger in biblically consistent ways, we're able to solve problems together. We're able to increase trust. We, we deepen our intimacy with God and with other people. And then we leave the door wide open for healthy communication. Or we can allow our anger to control us, closing the door to healthy communication and opening the door for Satan to attack in our lives. Healthy anger always involves open, honest, and direct communication. Let me say that again. Let that, let that resonate for a second. Healthy anger always involves open, honest, and direct communication. It involves speaking the truth in love, as Ephesians 4.15 talks about. It involves investing the emotion of anger that God has given us to declare truth, to right wrongs, and to help ourselves and others be conformed to the image of Christ, as Romans 8.29 talks about. Anger is often misunderstood and as a result, wrongly applied. I think we often misunderstand the the emotion of anger that we're feeling and then therefore we apply it in the wrong ways. But when we begin to understand that anger is a natural and normal response to a variety of life situations, we can allow God to help us use this powerful emotion for good. Again, anger is a God-given emotion. It's intended to protect and help us grow as followers of Christ. Anger is often a warning telling us to stop, look, and listen. Remember, anger is a a secondary emotion that's usually experienced in our lives in response to a primary emotion like hurt, pain, fear, or disappointment. And in our anger, we can allow God to work in our lives and to address the, the greater issues, or we can allow it to take over. And then anger is an emotion that we can choose to spend or invest. Here's some practical advice for how we do this. I I think we spend it when we allow our anger to control us, closing the door for healthy communication and opening the door for Satan to attack. And we invest it when we communicate it in biblically consistent ways, when we learn to solve problems as individuals and as as a church, as, as families. We invest it when it begins to increase trust and, and deepen our intimacy with God and other people. And it just leaves the door wide open for the right kind of conversations to happen. You know, friends, ideally, we would deal with our anger before we get angry, right? <laughs> ideally, that's, that's what would happen. But the reality is every person here today, we're, we're human. We're sinful. This isn't always going to happen. So, in closing today, I want to present some, it's just some biblical foundation, solid truth that can help us with this question of how, how can I address my anger? How should I address my anger? Number one, I, I think it's important to recognize, you've got to recognize, is your anger a problem for you or for other people? Have you been denying it, suppressing it, ignoring it, as it takes root in your life. If so, this is the first step in dealing with it. you got to recognize it. Second, take it to the Lord in prayer. Take it to God. In Second Corinthians 10.5, the Apostle Paul encourages us. He says, take every thought, every thought captive in obedience to Christ. Take every thought that you have, everything that you want to put into real life application, everything that's going on in your life, take that captive for Christ." Take your concerns, your frustrations, and your anger to God, and then you trust that he can do what only he can do. He can help you deal with it in the right way. Third, I think this is huge. We have to accept responsibility for our anger. Yeah, maybe, maybe someone did something that kind of set you off. But church, here's one thing I know about every person here. You can't control what other people do to you. You can only control how you respond. You have to take responsibility for your anger. And then finally, I believe you have to decide who or what is going to have control. Will anger dominate and control your life? Or, with the help of the Holy Spirit, will you invest your anger in healthy ways? I want to encourage you today that in prayer, ask God to help you invest it in the right ways. That, that might be as, as simple of a prayer as you need to pray today. That might be the beginning of you addressing the, the anger that has taken root in your life. Just say, God, help me begin to invest this emotion that you've given me in the right ways. Help me invest it for your glory, for my good. Help me learn how to have those healthy communic- those, those healthy communications within within family. Help me address problems, uh, thinking through them, because of what you're doing in my life, not because of what I want to see done. You know, and again, it's like when we finally get to that place of unhealthy anger, I know in my life it's because I haven't been quick to listen and and slow to speak, so that might be a starting point for you as well today. Go back to James 1, read that, and pray over that. Church, anger is a God-given emotion, and I believe that he wants to help us use that and apply that in the right ways, but far too often... It controls us instead of us controlling it. Let's allow God to work in our lives and begin to heal where maybe we need some healing. Help us apply anger in the right kind of ways.